Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. When my phone chimes at 8, 5 a.m., it can only be bad news. Or someone is trying to sell me an upgrade on my car warranty. It's Lily. And the last time I got a call at this hour, she was lying in the woods in Vermont with a broken leg and three quarters of a swastika cut into her chest. What's wrong, I say. Not even hello. This is GP Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Claudia Haggadis Long about the second novel in her mystery series, Our Lion Kin. Although middle-aged sisters Zara and Lily don't always see eye to eye when Lily calls to say that the FBI has just picked up her boyfriend of two years, Zara jumps on a plane to New York City, even though it's 2021 and COVID is still making people sick and taking lives. Lily also mentions a new family member potential new family member, although that turns out to be a woman claiming to be their half-sister. She wants money from them and somehow knows all about what they went through two years before while trying to get their family menorah back from the museum. It had belonged to their mother's family and was looted by the Nazis in 1939. Turns out several people are looking for that menorah. It could be worth a fortune. Hi, Claudia. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Galate. I'm glad to be here. So what adorable books. I read them in like three days, two books, because I couldn't put them down. How did you come to write about Zara and Lily, two middle-aged sisters who are different in every way, argue incessantly, but love each other fiercely? Well, that's, that's actually the easiest question you could possibly have asked me because I happen to have a sister, and she is just more than a year older than I am. She's about seven inches taller and dark-haired and actually a, a fantastic person and nowhere near as flighty as Lily. But what, what could be more fun than writing about two sisters when you have one of your own? That's true. Does she see herself in Lily? Uh, yes. In fact, um, because Lily does get up to some uh, rather interesting shenanigans, I you know, 
I have to warn her. You know, you're going to see yourself in Lily, but don't worry. You don't do those things. Uh (laughs) In your acknowledgments, you write about telling your mother's story. Which parts of the two books come from real family history? You know, real history, when you write fiction, real history is transformed. And since I wasn't there, if I report uh, the conversation, obviously it's my interpretation. But about about a year after my mother died, my dad sat down with me, and she was a Holocaust survivor who never spoke of the traumatic events that she went through. And my father said, I want to tell you her story. And I sat there with him and with my phone recorder on, and he proceeded to tell me everything that he knew. But again, my mother had told him, and he was telling me. And so stories blend and morph. And then at the end of it, he said, I want you to write her story. And I said, Dad, I can't write her story because she never told her story. But I can write her daughter's story, seeing her through their eyes. And so... The parts that are flashbacks are very close to what my father told me. But again, they're transformed from her words, since he wasn't there, to his words, to my words. Okay. Can you say more about what happened then to Zara and Lily's mother as a Holocaust survivor? Where was she? Uh, When did she leave? How did she survive? And how did she get to the United States? Uh, Well, Sarah and Lily's mother, um, her story is part of nine-tenths of the law. And she was, um, as my mother was, born in Woods, and then the family moved to Warsaw. And then from there, let's go to Aurora, who is Sarah and Lily's mother. Um, Her father is killed. Her mother and she are forced to work in a factory taken out of school, and then some very unpleasant things begin to happen in the factory because Aurora is very beautiful. And the foreman of the factory, a Nazi, takes an unhealthy interest in her, and she walks out of the Warsaw Ghetto. She takes off her star, and she's beautiful. She doesn't look Jewish in the stereotypical way because her mother is Sephardic, and there's a different look. She walks out of the ghetto and survives with her body and her mind until she ends up in Germany, and she ends up working until the um, the Russians come. And of course, the Russians are extremely brutal with women, and then she ends up finally reaching the American line and going to Paris and coming to the United States. And all of that is paralleled in many ways by my own mother's story. Ah, that's such a tribute to your mother. Can you say, uh, well, okay, both novels revolve around the theft of art and valuables from Jews during the Third Reich. Can you say a bit about how the Nazis kept records of what they stole and from whom, and how pieces continue to show up in sales and auctions 
nearly 80 years after the end of World War II. It's it's really shocking, isn't it? And, you know, earlier, before I wrote these books, I used to write about um, about the Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition, and the parallels of record-keeping and who their targets were, Jews, homosexuals, gypsies, you know, is so frightening to think about history repeating itself. The Nazis, much like the Spanish Inquisition, kept meticulous records about the things that they looted. I mean, who who would do that, right? But they did. And there's a lot of focus, you know, uh, Lady in Gold, all these other wonderful movies and books, a lot of focus about the great art that was looted and the famous, you know, paintings and sculptures and pieces of worksmanship that were taken. But there's so little said about the end until now about the individual, the the small art, the small tender family art. And that was taken too. So one of my focuses in Nine Tenths of the Law, and again in um, Our Lying Kin, which is the new book, is on the recovery of these family pieces. It's so different from the big the big items that are taken and make the news. It's these little things that mean so much to the families that are slowly, slowly being recovered. What is going on with Zara and her hallucinations? Is it is it a paranormal experience she's having? Or is she, did her mother tell her the stories of her past? And is Zara imagining them happening? It's hard to tell. <laughs> Even as later, I had a hard time telling what Zara was doing there. But the, in a way, it's kind of both. A slightly paranormal in the sense that, you know, the spirit can manifest itself to you in that way. You know, your mother's spirit, your somebody that was very dear to you because we carry their spirits with us. And so when it chooses to speak, it's not, no, it's not, uh, how do we call this science fiction? It's, it's a spiritual event. But I think that Zara's mother must have told her things that Zara is suppressing because Lily knows things and Zara knows things, and they start to trade information. And when Zara's having these hallucinations, if you will, of her mother, I think that she is remembering and feeling what her mother had told her maybe in snippets or in hints, and it's manifesting as an adult in a way that she can't control until she gets kind of a handle on it. That explains that she's a rule follower and Lily is a rule breaker, but then asks if one is more ethical than the other. I think you do a really interesting job of telling a fun story, a a really fast-paced story about art theft and these two sisters and their relationship. But there's also, it's a brilliant question. Your book is also about ethics. What do you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to, to hear that question because it was about ethics in so many ways. One of the things that was very difficult for my own mother was the way that people who had never been through what she'd been through 
had opinions on what one should and shouldn't do and what was fair and what wasn't fair, what was ethical to do and what wasn't ethical to do when they had never faced the terrors of being a 15-year-old girl alone in the midst of Nazis. And Zara and Lily, I think, reflect the two aspects of this, Zara being a rule follower who has difficulty embracing the ambiguities, and Lily, who is extremely, on the one hand, practical, but also a little devil may care about the rules if they get in her way. And I think that they're manifesting two sides of Aurora, who is the one who faced all those terrible difficulties. And, you know, again, who are we to judge? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Zara Lily and Lily's son have the weird skill of being able to repeat a conversation literally word for word. Most of us can only summarize, and many of us, like me, get it completely wrong when I try to summarize. Are, are you someone who remembers exact conversation? And if so, is it valued in the kind of law that you practiced? Uh, yes and yes. Um, I unfortunately have that ability. I can repeat conversations verbatim, and I can also repeat things I read verbatim. Um, not an entire book, but I can generally quote passages, you know, page-long passages of books I read. And it's it's not valued so much as valuable. In other words, when the kind of work I do, which is mediation of complex employment or business dissolution cases, employment discrimination cases, real estate cases, um, it's very useful when I meet with one group to be able to remember verbatim what the other group told me. Because I, um, it's not that I try to trip people up, but rather I have a frame of reference when I'm being told a, a different story because each side, each situation has so many different sides to it and each side has a different story. Wow. So if you were an actress, you would be able to remember entire scripts in a heartbeat, right? I don't know about a heartbeat, but um, scripts are different because, you know, scripts are, it's not just a matter of recording or being able to repeat a conversation. There you have to have intention and thoughtfulness and a motivation. And, you know, you have to convey to an audience what you're trying to achieve with each important line. And I can tell you all that because um, my son's an actor and he's a theater actor and I understand very well what what goes into that. And it's he can memorize very quickly too, but it's developing that intention and truthfulness to the to the spoken word. It's a little bit different from verbatim memory. Right. Lev Zimmerman's family owns the menorah that Zara and Lily claim. It was on loan from him to the museum when it went missing. This is where the problem of stolen art, especially that stolen from Jewish families during the Holocaust, gets tricky. Can you address that? Well, as you you see in our line, Ken, and also without giving anything away, my next work, um, Lev Zimmerman has a little bit of a history too. 
Okay. And he, his father, Henri, um, Henry, was devoted a good deal of his life to getting back things, little personal items that were reclaimed and trying to find their rightful owners. And when he couldn't, selling them to other Jews so that at least it stayed within the faith. And some items that were extremely beautiful, he ended up keeping. These were things he bought or got from the Germans at the end of the war. It was his mission in a way. And so it's on loan to the museum twice. It's on loan to the museum when Aurora and Zara see it, you know, 40 years earlier. And it's on, on loan through Lev again when Zara and Lily see it. Yeah. So religion plays a big role in both books, but it's not about belief for Zara and Lily. It's more a, a stew of memories and reactions to horror that's typical of Holocaust survivors and their children. It's about survival, even if the ne next generation is completely out of danger. How did you decide to approach the subject of what's known as cultural memory? You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, there are a couple of really fantastic books out there. Um, Elizabeth Rosner wrote The Trauma Cafe, or The Survival Cafe. I can't quite get the title right off the top of my head. But she, Survivor Cafe. And she, I heard her speak, and it's been a topic that's been raised quite a bit now of you know, second-generation trauma, second-generation memory. And, you know, it was, it was very hard because my mother personally never spoke of any of this. She refused to let those words cross her lips. And yet it lived with us. It was, you know, the, um, the fifth per sixth person at the table, you know, was her. And one of the ways that I think our generation, the, the children of the Holocaust survivors are making, I don't know, progress, if you will, is by opening, opening the window, opening the door and saying, this is what happened to our parents. This is what happened in some cases to their grandparents. And we want the world to know, even if our own parents couldn't speak those words. And so, and, you know, I personally had, you know, second generation or, or children's, survivor children's um, trauma because there were things I couldn't talk about, things, words I couldn't say. And for the longest time, thoughts I didn't feel I could have. And, you know, part of writing these books is a way to open open the window, to let in the light. Is it doing that for you? Um, yes, it is. And yet, it all, it, it, it's also, there are people who say, well, that's not how it was. And I want to say, it. you know, there were 20 million people went through that experience. Six million of them died. But... Each one has a different story, and they can't say that's not how it was just because it wasn't that way for them. And so, in a way, I find myself, I don't know, defending the idea that different people experience um, the war in different ways. So that's been a little difficult, but yeah. it's, you know, the light is the light. 
Claudia, I heard you say something about a third book. Is that what you're, what's happening there? Well, this third book that I'm writing, Sarah and Lily go on a third adventure. And this was just a little bit more fun than the other two. You, 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 um, you read Our Lion Kin. That was a little more fun than Nine Tenths of the Law. And my next one, uh, working title right now is Sisters at an Exhibition, but it may not end up being there, um, is more fun. It, it's a little more rollicking. The sisters are having a lot more fun, and I think a trip to to France. I think that's where they're going to go. Oh, I they, love it. We need more books with middle-aged women as the protagonists. I love it. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. I wish you the best of luck. I hope everybody who um, wants a rollicking good mystery picks up your books. Well, I silly hope so, too. The second book is Our Lying Kin, and it's, like I said, it's something that's it's just pretty, it's pretty fun to read. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you for joining. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've enjoyed chatting with author Claudia Haggadis-Long, about her latest novel, Our Lying Kin. Hope you have an engrossing book to spend your evening with. Happy reading.